friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the August 18th edition of the sunny side of sports. Let's begin with boxing. Alexander Usyk will fight Anthony Joshua Saturday in a world heavyweight title rematch in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Usyk beat Joshua by a 12-round unanimous decision in their first fight held in September 2021 in London. The Ukrainian Usyk has been training for the rematch while his home country is at war with Russia. At a news conference in Jeddah on Wednesday, Usyk's promoter, Alexander Krasiuk, talked about his fighters' preparations. Not too many champions in the world can share their experience going through the war and making their way to the ring to defend their heavyweight crown. And uh, it was an exclusively, extremely complicated challenge for him. But he seems to have passed it good. He was in touch with uh, high-ranked military officers. He visited the hospitals with uh, injured combatants. Uh, He was in touch with just common fans. And every conversation, he heard words of support and blessing to take the rematch. So people wanted him to fight. People still want him to win. People want the Ukrainian flag to be risen. People want uh, the Ukrainian anthem to be heard throughout the whole planet. Meanwhile, Anthony Joshua says he's gone through a grueling training camp to get ready for the rematch. And that's it. Must win. I like the pressure. It's been tough. Robert Garcia, Angel Fernandez, and like existing members of my previous team as well have definitely pushed me, challenged me. Um, But mostly like, yeah, just get the job done. Instinct, stay focused, get the job done, and uh, God willing, we're victorious. I've got goals that I want to achieve in the ring on the night, and I'm going to be disciplined enough and follow them through. So, yeah, that's like competition with myself. And as you mentioned about the belts, they mean something, but that's all at the end of the target. So it's not like I'm skipping the process. So I'm focused on the process. For some pre-fight analysis, we're joined once again by our reigning prince of pugilistics, Namdi Hollywood Moeta. Namdi, welcome back to the show. Sonny, glad to be back with you on uh, Sunny Side of Sports. It's been a while. Namdi, we heard Anthony Joshua mention Robert Garcia, who he brought in as his new trainer for the rematch. How important is Garcia to AJ reclaiming his world title belts on Saturday? Robert Garcia will not be fighting Usyk. Robert Garcia will only give instructions in between rounds. Well, uh, Robert Garcia is a big step up from the clue that had him uh, last time against Usyk the first time. I I call that clue the clueless gang. Yes, Robert Garcia is just not a nobody. He's trained other fighters, 17 world champions. So, but the key there, you have to understand one thing too. He has never trained a heavyweight. And there's a big difference if you've never trained a heavyweight and uh, suddenly find yourself training a heavyweight. I don't think um, 
we're going to see more changes, but there's been a lot of talk about this Mexican style, Mexican style. Robert Garcia being uh, Mexican-American, he's going to bring this Mexican style. Okay, that's all good and done. Uh, Mexican style has the bad side and the good side of Mexican style. Namdi, what exactly is the Mexican style of boxing? Sonny, Mexican style is when the boxer steps into the ring. He has no time to box or hold. He jumps on his opponent. He's a very aggressive. And his mission is seek and destroy. He goes in there. His game is to knock out his opponent. Jump on him right away. Stay on top of him. Press. Back him up. Stay with him. Don't let him go 10. Don't let him go six rounds. But the other side of Mexican style is if you don't have a solid chain and uh, you don't have a full tank of gas, it's like a car going on a road trip with not a full tank, uh, you press for the knockout. You leave yourself wide open and there's a good chance you may get knocked out yourself. And not only that, if you press for the knockout with your Mexican style in the beginning of the first four or five rounds, and you're unable to knock out the slippery guy in Usyk, then you will be fighting on empty tank from around six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Usyk coming in heavy will end up stopping you, knocking you out, and the Mexican style will look stupid. Namdi, you mentioned how Usyk is coming in heavy for the rematch. Break down their weights, Usyk and AJ, and how those weights could affect the outcome on Saturday in Jeddah. Sonny, uh, videos of Usyk recently, uh, both in camp and at a press conference, Usyk looks bigger. Usyk, uh, the last fight with AJ, Usyk weighed 217 pounds and AJ weighed 240 pounds. And the way uh, things are looking now, Friday morning, Friday afternoon in Saudi Arabia, uh, we're very curious to see what which uh, Usyk will come in. If he comes in anywhere above 220, like 230, 240, he's going to be heavy. And the question becomes, uh, will that affect his footwork? Will that uh, make him mobile? Or will he just be a sitting dog for uh, Anthony Joshua to be able to do a number on him? On the other hand, that extra weight will mean more pop. And if Anthony Joshua fighting a southpaw, which is not easy to fight a southpaw, he can walk into a left hook. And when he walks into a left hook with a guy who's a couple of pounds bigger, there's a good chance he can drop AJ and the fight will end right there. Uh, so AJ, from what we're hearing, AJ is going to come in a little lighter than 240. And if Usyk comes in heavier, he comes with a with power, but on the other hand, can he move for 12 rounds with his power and uh, don't get tired or he's going to stand there and go toe-to-toe with Anthony Joshua? All depends on what Anthony Joshua can do. Anthony Joshua must be able to cut off the ring. Anthony Joshua must stay walking the body. Going for the head will make him look really bad. If he walks the body and he's able to concentrate on just breaking down the body, a bigger Usyk will get tired. And there's a good chance Anthony Joshua can stop Usyk in less than 10 rounds. So it caught both ways. You know, the extra pounds may be difficult for Usyk to carry and then that to slow him down. 
Namdi, it's been almost 11 months since Usyk and Joshua last fought. What do you expect in terms of changes and tactics for the rematch? Sonny, these two guys have fought before, so they know what to expect, you know. Uh, it comes down to who can make the adjustments, and that's where Anthony Joshua has a lot of work to do. Um, with a new trainer, uh, it all depends on how long they've been working on things in the gym, in camp, and sparring. Um, Usyk won the first fight easily. Uh, Usyk may end up winning the rematch easily. Um, how can Anthony Joshua deal with fear? Remember, he looked scared in the first fight. Has he been able to deal with it going into the ring? Uh, can uh, Robert Garcia give him that pep talk to really get him going, to get him moving, knowing that, hey, dude, you know, you have to step it up. You're losing this fight. We need you to do all this. If Garcia can motivate him in between rounds, if Garcia can put the fire under him in between rounds, then we have a different fighter. If Garcia can get him to come in, forget about boxing, jump on this guy, take him out. Because if it goes past five, six rounds, Anthony Joshua is going to be in trouble. And then a bigger Usyk will then end up stepping it up and then he may end up ending the fight. So deal with fear, be the ring general, cut off the ring, stay in the body, forget about the past, force the fight. Mexican style can get you knocked out if you don't protect yourself, watch the left hooks, watch all kinds of stuff. But if you go in there and say, I want to go box, I want to hold, or you're going to get tired, then you're going to get tagged. Then you're going to look like a guy that don't want to fight that's asking yourself, what am I doing here? So it's a very tough fight for Anthony Joshua. Also a tough fight for Usyk. But uh, I think uh, the man that can adjust, make changes during the fight, will win the fight. Namdi, how does this fight in Saudi Arabia affect Tyson Fury's retirement? Sonny, it depends on the winner. If AJ comes out on top and wins the fight, expect Tyson Fury to unretire Saturday night. Definitely take that to the bank. And he has been given until August 26th by WBC to decide what he wants to do. But nobody needs to wait till August 26th. He will make his make up his mind Saturday night after the fight on what to do. And remember, he just gave up his ring magazine uh, heavyweight belt. So that, at that one to the fight, uh, the belt, an extra belt going on Saturday night in uh, Saudi Arabia. Yes, I mean, his bank manager will call him Saturday night after the fight. His family will call him, say, look, dude, let's do it. If it's Usyk, I don't think uh, Tyson Fury is crazy fighting Usyk because Usyk can expose Tyson Fury. Usyk can make Tyson Fury look really, really stupid and look bad, you know. So uh, if AJ wins and AJ looks good, knocks out uh, knocks out Usyk, definitely Saturday night. Expect Tyson Fury to make up his mind and Monday or Tuesday he will call for the fight with Anthony Joshua, and that will be the biggest fight in boxing. Take that to the bank anytime. Even his bank manager will also be calling him because that fight belongs to Wembley Stadium plus two. Wembley Stadium times two. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wembley Stadium times two. I like that, Namdi. Finally, Namdi. How about an update on some of the top African prize fighters? Sonny, you know, I'm very happy about my African brothers, you know, when they see action on television. And I'm, I'm not just talking about television. I'm talking about millions of fight fans on his Saturday night. Isaac Dogbe, Royal Storm. His fight with Joet Gonzalez was one of the top fights of 2022. It was WBC final el- elimination uh, in the Federalist division because Isaac Dogbe has moved up to 126. He won by split decision. But the key to the fight was Isaac Dogbe's new trainer, Barry Hunter, was able to get into his head that told him straight up that you need the last two rounds. You must win this last two rounds. Do it for me. I believe in you. And he won, and he went out there and picked up the last two rounds, and that made a big difference. I put him in the position to fight for the world title against uh, the world champion, which is a mandatory fight, and I'm very, very happy for Royal Storm Isaac Dogbe. Then August 27th, it's a big night for African boxing. Richard Comey is going to take on two-division world champion Jose Pedraza, and then F.A. Jagba, the return of F.A. Jagba from Nigeria. He takes on Joseph Damos in an eight-round heavyweight fight. Tulsa, Oklahoma, live on ESPN worldwide on a Saturday night, August 27. Watch the boys do it. Thanks, Namdi. That's Namdi Hollywood Moeta, our reigning prince of pugilistics who's been delivering hard-hitting boxing commentary on The Voice of America for 40 years. Count them, 40 years. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends, breakout artists, new releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. Now let's go to Nigeria's commercial capital, Lagos, where the second Jordan Nwora basketball camp ended earlier this week. 23-year-old Jordan is a forward for the NBA's Milwaukee Bucks team, and he lifted the NBA trophy with the Bucks in 2021. Jordan has also been a key player for Nigeria's national men's team, the Tigers. To find out more about his camp, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with the president of the Jordan Nwora Foundation. Tony Nora. Yeah, we've been to several countries uh, and we've been around for, we started this uh, uh, the camp uh, two years in a row now. Uh, we've been to Ivory Coast. Uh, our goal is to reach out to all the uh, FIBA Zone 6 countries. Uh, 
zone three countries, uh, which is about six or eight countries in in, uh, in FIBA, and of course Nigeria, where Jordan is from. All right. What has the response been like since the foundation was introduced, as in, in terms of discovery of talents, players? Well, I I know you are uh, experienced uh, investigative journalist, and uh, <laughs> from what you've seen so far, you can see the the, the, the growth of the foundation. Uh, Jordan has made it a priority for uh, the youth uh, to give back to the youth through basketball, uh, which is a game he loved very well. His dad played the game. He played the game, uh, played for Nigeria, broke the Nigerian re- uh, scoring record. I believe uh, the won the, uh, the, uh, the NBA championship in his first year. I think he's the first Nigerian to do that. Uh, so uh, uh, still a young man at 8, 23 trying to do this, giving back to the kids, not only in Nigeria, but uh, all over the world. I think it's a marvelous uh, step on his side. From what you've seen so far in the Fibers and three countries that you've reached, do you think that very soon, and I mean very soon, we'll have a new Jordan Warra in the making? Amongst the players you've uh, been uh, reaching out to? Well, as you can see, uh, I see Jordan in all these kids. Wow. I see the great Nigerians, Akimo Lajumon, I see all of them in these kids. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is a potential, uh, how will I put it? It, it, it is something of interest. But my only worry is that we don't have the infrastructure, we don't have the facility uh, for a continuous training for these kids. Now, when we live here, they're on their own, you know, uh, with the no indoor. Uh, where they can go play the game. Uh, right now, we have about uh, 150 kids uh, here. That's a potential 150 crimes off the street. And that's the way we think about it. We can engage these youths. You know, some of them are not in school. You know, and they, get, they stand to gain a lot from the game of basketball. So uh, I appeal to all Nigerians, all Africans, all over the world, wherever you are. That's, a mu- that's much, there's so much we can do for these youths through the game of basketball or any sports in fact you know it doesn't matter if it's basketball volleyball football what have you but there's a lot these kids can benefit from sports in general for this year the camp uh, where where have you been to and how long has it been on now yeah we've been on for about a month now we started in uh abidjan in Ivory coast uh we came down to lafia here in nigeria uh Nasarawa State. Uh, we, uh, we've been to our nature, uh, Anambra State. We're now here in Lagos for the grand finale. And you know, it's our, it's our dream to be all over. But as you can see, this is a, a non-profit organization. All these uh, top-notch American coaches that you see here are strictly voluntary, uh, on a voluntary basis. Nobody's... Talking about the coaches, how many of them did you come with from the U.S.? Uh, we have about three of them here from the U.S. And of course, Americans... We, we, Jordan, his dad, the national, former national coach for Nigeria is here. He's based in college coach in the uh, United States. I myself, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's like we're all Americans here, American Nigerians, and, and some Americans themselves are here. And we all left our duties, left our jobs just to volunteer for these kids. This is solely on a voluntary basis. And uh, most of the finances are done by Jordan himself and some few uh, support we get from a few foundations uh, that are around that you see their posters here. So we, uh, we appeal to anybody that can help these kids in any way or matter to do so uh, for the sake of the, for the youth. That's Tony Nora, the president of the Jordan Nora Foundation. 
And Tony spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye in Lagos, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Tony Wara, the president of Jordan Wara Foundation. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on Voice of America. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. And thanks to Iron Mike Mbonye for that interview. In more basketball news, the agent for LeBron James says the Los Angeles Lakers superstar is now the highest paid player in NBA history. The AP's Dave Ferry reports. LeBron James is staying with the Lakers through the spring of 2025. His agent says the four-time MVP has accepted a two-year, $97.1 million contract extension. It makes James the highest-paid player in NBA history, according to his agent. The new deal means the 18-time All-Star will make $46.7 million this season. The 37-year-old James is headed into the final year of his most recent contract with the Lakers. Barring injury, James is likely to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the NBA's career scoring king this winter. I'm Dave Ferry. Thanks, Dave. LeBron James is coming off a season in which he averaged more than 30 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists a game for the Lakers. LeBron was limited to 56 games because of injuries. As Dave Ferry said, barring injury, LeBron is likely to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the NBA's all-time leading scorer this coming season. Now, LeBron's contract extension with the Lakers comes after a disappointing 33-win campaign that led to the firing of Frank Vogel and the hiring of Darvin Ham as his coaching replacement. Meanwhile, the NBA has officially released its schedule for the 2022-2023 season. The 82-game regular season tips off October 18th and ends on April 9th, followed by the NBA playoffs. The Golden State Warriors are the defending NBA champions, They beat the Boston Celtics four games to two in the NBA Finals in June. In this sunny side of sports highlight for 2022, the AP's Gethin Coolbaugh reports from Boston, Massachusetts. For the fourth time in eight years, the Golden State Warriors are NBA champions after beating the Boston Celtics 103-90 in Game 6. Stephen Curry led the way with 34 points, Andrew Wiggins scored 18, and Draymond Green amassed 12 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists. Curry earned his first NBA Finals MVP award after averaging 31.2 points in the series. The ability to be on the stage and play with amazing teammates, I guess a great ball Boston Celtics team that, you know, gave us everything to try to get to the finish line. This one hits different for sure. Jalen Brown scored 34 while Jason Tatum had 13 for the Celtics, who fell short of their first title since 2008. It's hard getting to this point and it's even harder, you know, getting over the hump and winning. It's been a long journey, a long process. You know, that's what I took from it, that it's, it's tough and we got to take it up another level to do what we, what we want to do. Gethin Coolball, Boston. Thanks, Gethin. Now we'll hear from the two head coaches, Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors and Ime Udoka of the Boston Celtics. Kerr has now won a total of nine NBA championships, four as a coach and five as a player. He says this latest trophy holds a special place. Well, they're all unique. I think this one may have been the most unlikely just from the standpoint of where we've been the last couple of years, a lot of unknowns with injuries, 
to Clay and, um, you know, Draymond at the end of the year, Steph at the end of the year. Um, a lot of young guys, kind of a new core, uh, or, or a new group around our core, I should say. Um, but um, it, it's really special to see guys like Wiggs and, and Loon and Gary Payton, um, just how far they've come, um, the impact they made. Jordan Poole, same thing. And I, I know I'm going to forget people, but it takes uh, a full team effort to do this. And we just had a, a, a great group who uh, who got it done. Meanwhile, Celtics head coach Ime Udoka says he had this message for his team after the Game 6 loss in Boston. Yeah, it was going to hurt, and it, it'll hurt for a while, and probably... You know, that stuff never goes away. I've lost one before, and so um, that was part of the message. Uh, let it propel us forward. Uh, the experience and growth and progress that we made this season, uh, obviously getting to your ultimate goal and, and falling a few games short, uh, is going to hurt, and there are a lot of guys in there yeah, very emotional right now. So the message was, you know, we thank them for the effort and the growth and everything they allowed us to do coaching-wise this year. Um, and the biggest biggest message was learn from this, uh, grow from it, take this experience and see there is another level to get to with a team like Golden State who has been there, done that, and, and it was evident in a lot of ways. And just uh, don't come back the same as players, coaching staff, and uh, let this feel you throughout the offseason the next year. This year, NBA Finals Most Valuable Player Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors reflected on his team's championship journey. Then you go through these last two years and conversations, narratives, we're too old, you know, the uh, parallel timelines of developing young guys and keeping our core together, all those tough decisions that we had to make. Um, that weighs on you for as much time as we were going through it. And then you get to the point where you're in a playoff series against, you know, Denver and then Memphis and then Dallas and get to Boston. And it's like, we're right here. And it's surreal. And then you get to the finish line. And uh, that's why I think this one is definitely different because of just the three years of baggage we carried coming out of that game six in 2019. I mean, these last two months of the playoffs, these last three years, these last 48 hours, every bit of it <clears throat> has been a uh, emotional roller coaster on and off the floor. And you're carrying all of that on a daily basis to try to realize a dream and a goal like we did tonight. And uh, you get goosebumps just thinking about, you know, all those snapshots and episodes that we went through to get back here individually, collectively. And, uh, uh, that's why I say I think this championship hits different. That's why I have so many, so many emotions and still will just because of what it took to get back here. That's Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, the most valuable player of the 2022 NBA Finals. Golden State beat the Boston Celtics four games to two. It was the seventh NBA championship for the Warriors and the team's fourth trophy in the past eight years. I'm Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. 
Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including President Joe Biden signs the Democrats' massive climate, health, and tax bill into law, marking a major accomplishment for his domestic agenda less than three months before midterm elections. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Thanks, Kim. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Finally in tennis, Venus Williams will be back in the U.S. Open this year after being given a wild card into what could be younger sister Serena's final tournament. Venus Williams won back-to-back U.S. Open trophies in 2000 and 2001. Now 42, Venus did not play in the U.S. Open last year because of injury. Meanwhile, 23-time Grand Slam singles champion Serena Williams will turn 41 next month. Serena told Vogue magazine last week that she's planning her farewell to tennis to have another child and pursue her business interests. The U.S. Open Tennis Tournament begins August 29th in New York. wraps up the August 18th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. I get it.